Hey rock stars, welcome back to another episode of I Rock the Mic. I'm your host, the photog of rock gods, me, Mike Klein. Today's special guest is the number one Paul Stanley Kiss lookalike in the country. He's been featured on television, radio, online. He makes appearances all over the world as the star child. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Gil Garcia. Welcome to the show. Hey Gil, welcome to Rock the Mic. Thanks for calling in. I know you have a busy schedule this week. It is my pleasure to be here. Well, it's a big week. Obviously, we know End of the Road started last week, and um, I know we're not going to talk about it because it's off limits, but um, let's jump right into it. A lot of people don't know, but you are the number one Paul Stanley Kiss lookalike in the world. So, Well, I, I, I try not to go to the world, but I, I definitely the, the country. Well, I think as far as, you know, when it comes to like the Kiss Army, I think that that's worldwide. So I'd have to say... Being on the road and photographing a lot of people, and more importantly, obviously, I've photographed Paul a couple times, you're pretty much identical. I mean, you might be the twin. I'll take it. Okay. So tell me about it real <laughs> quick. Tell me about your love for Kiss. I mean, obviously, that started at a young age, I'm assuming. And how did you get into Kiss? Absolutely. It started at a young age when I was in grade school, actually. I saw them somewhere. I don't even know where, but I saw them, and the visual just grabbed me. Um, I had a friend of mine who kind of knew about them, at least in his mind he did. And I know, I remember him telling me that their names were Love, Evil, Kitty, and Space. And I just went, it just hooked me, even though that wasn't really what they were called. But that's what we believed at that time. So they, they, they just grabbed me from there. So did you automatically gravitate towards Paul, like as the star child persona? Or was it like, um, were you partial to another persona? Like, I mean, obviously we have the demon or the kitty right. or, you know, the spaceman, but was it always Paul for you? Actually, no. Um, when I first started getting into Kiss, it was, it was Peter that hooked me at first. And then uh, ironically, well, not ironically, but funny, funny enough is I had some nephews that, were younger than me and and tried to emulate what I was doing and they started liking Kiss and and they immediately gravitated to Peter as well and maybe just out of spite or out of jealousy whatever petty jealousy from from being a kid um, I switched over to Gene and I was big on Gene and of course they jumped on Gene as well so my final jump ended up being with Paul and I stayed with them while they decided to move on to other bands at that time but i stayed with paul ever since then so obviously now you're the star child and you've taken that persona were you in any bands at one point in your career where you you know you were look-alike for paul on stage or did you ever play an instrument actually what i did was i played for a couple of uh cover bands uh i never did anything as far as a tribute or anything like that it was just cover bands that i played in um, mostly as a vocalist. So I, I actually just stayed away from, from being a, a Kiss tribute guy at that early age. I gotcha. Well, first off, I have to say that we at Rock the Mic are definitely Team Paul. Obviously, I've spent some time um, with Paul and Keith, um, you know, Keith LaRoe. And Paul is like, really, he's a rock god. I mean, he is, in my opinion, he's the best front man in music. So I'm glad you gravitated towards him. Let's take a break. Let's play one of your favorite tracks from Dress to Kill. We're going to play Rock Bottom from Kiss here on Rock the Mic Radio. Absolutely.
Okay, we're back from the break. And again, um, rock bottom. It's not a song that's played all the time. Like, not a lot of people request that, or more importantly, it's not played on the radio a lot, or even satellite radio. So that was an awesome choice by you, Gil. Awesome song. I love that song. So let's jump into the cruise. Obviously, the Kiss Cruise has become the next big venture that Kiss has totally taken over the world, and now, obviously, the seas. Tell me about that, because... I'm sure like the thousands of people on this cruise are all about you when they see you. Cause obviously you walk around in makeup and then not in makeup. Tell me what that's like. You know, the, the reactions have been very positive. Um, I remember on the first cruise, everybody just looked at me. They didn't really quite know what to make of me. It wasn't until the second one. And after, you know, all the ones after that where, where people really started to come around and, and, and really open up. And it really, it's just like, returning home every single year it's it's like it's definitely one big family um and that is the biggest thing about it now a lot of people that return are not just there because of kiss but they're there because of the friendships and then the family members that that they have there it, it's it's just such a, a strong community of kiss fans it, it's incredible it really is What's it like once you get off the boat? I mean, you're in the islands and the locals on the islands, they must go crazy because obviously you're a rock star. It's the star child. You're walking around the Bahamas as an example. And how do they react to it? It depends. It depends on where we're at. There are certain places I can go to where they won't have a clue. They, they see the long hair and everything. And, um, and they may, they might have a, a thought of who I might be, but, it depends. They just don't have a clue. And then there's other places, for example, Cozumel, Mexico, where I couldn't even walk around. Um, I had people coming out of the stores. The people that worked there were coming out and uh, getting pictures with me and everything. And, and it was pretty mind-blowing. Even um, I remember coming out of uh, one store and the locals came out of there and I'm signing autographs and taking pictures. And I look inside and Michael James Jackson is sitting inside just watching the whole thing unfold. It was pretty funny. But now, how funny is that? Because obviously it takes time out of the day. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting that, you know, you're there to enjoy yourself and you got some time off the boat, but then again, I mean, so you're a rock star on the streets, like everywhere you go. Is that like, is that the same way when you're back home? Like when you're on the West coast, the West coast, um, strangely enough in, in my viewpoint is not as big a kiss place as the east coast is so there's many places where i can go to where they won't even look and then there's certain events or certain places that i might go to where don't just go crazy um it really just depends on where i'm at well i remember seeing a video of course we all know about sebastian bach being from skid row and also another guy that spent time on broadway doing jekyll and hyde and rocky horror but there was a time that you guys crossed paths and i watched the video of it a while back and he was losing his mind when he saw you. Tell me about that. Like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, he was doing a book signing, and it happened to be uh, here in Phoenix. And I went ahead and stopped by, and I waited till till the very end. And then I popped my head out, and he went nuts for it because um, he thought it was Paul at first. And once he realized it wasn't, then he just lost his mind. And we got some really good video of that. It was actually from his Facebook Live that that video was taken from. He recorded the entire thing. Um, and that's just one of the times. Uh, there was another one where he saw me uh, in the front row of one of his shows. It was a local club show. 
And uh, there's video of that too, where he stops like right in the middle of the song to point me out. So, I mean, it's obviously he's a huge Kiss fan, and um, and it's it's pretty cool to, to be able to catch the attention of of a big name like that. Now, has there been other celebs that you know you've gotten a reaction from over time, or other musicians? Oh, sure. Um, well, obviously, for for the main reasons, obviously, Kiss. Um, always gives me a very nice reaction. Uh, Eric Singer, every, every single time he sees me, just comes right up to me. Paul Stanley, you know, and just goes on gushing about it. And uh, Tommy will, will give me some really nice smiles and throw some pics straight at me. And, uh, right on, right on. Uh, Gene, obviously, Gene, he's, every single time he sees me, he'll, he'll announce me as Paul Stanley, Mr. Paul Stanley, ladies and gentlemen. It's well, really pretty funny. There's times that he's been on stage, correct, during performances and called you out on the yeah. cruise? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, he'll he'll be right in the middle of a song. He'll see me right in the middle there. And you can just see him mouth the words Paul Stanley as he's singing. See, and you can't it's you can't because take he's looking right at me. That's right on. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, real quick, before we plug into the final segment, I want to play your number one kiss tune. Of course, since we've been talking about Gene, we're going to play Parasite. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of your favorite songs and we'll get this wrapped up. Sounds good. We're going to play Parasite on Rock the Mic. Parasite.
Okay, Gil, off the air, we talked about some of your favorite songs and artists from over the years. And there was mention of groups like Judas Priest, Thin Lizzy, Creed, and even Static X. I took the best of those and put them together. I know you gave me a list of about 15. And I want to talk about three of the songs and artists you mentioned. And I want you to tell me why these songs are special to you. And I want to talk about them um, with you. The first one is by Blue October, which is Hate Me. And this is kind of a special song to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, if you don't know, there's a real voicemail attachment to this song when you look it up from his mother. And he kind of sang about some depression and some some um, abuse, alcohol abuse and substance abuse. So it's a great, it's a powerful song. So I wanted you to tell me about it, Gil. Like it's, I know it's in one of your top lists. So tell me about it. Well, first of all, it is a, an extremely powerful song. And um, I think a lot of people when they first hear that song, don't really quite understand it and maybe put it kind of into a negative light. It's actually a very positive song. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's basically a song of a guy that's had a lot of problems and had his whole life turned upside down. His mom has been his biggest supporter and has basically spent all her life trying to help him. And at some point when he finally turns himself around, basically telling her it's time for you now to hate me instead of loving me so much so you can dedicate time to yourself now um so it's it's actually more of a love song really um but because it does have that pain connotation to it it was a deeply personal song for me at the time i was going through a rough time um and so it did have a connection to me in that sense but it's actually if you really break it down it's actually a very positive song and then it's just a very powerful one uh there's a youtube video where they're playing that song live and it's just incredibly powerful and emotional well it's it's funny because again like uh, you know touring in music obviously i spend a lot of time on the road and music's around me everywhere we go and it's like you plug into lyrics and you don't realize what this lyric means because it can mean so much to so many different people but this song in particular um it is kind of a love song type. That's a good perspective because obviously it is the opposite of what you would think. Hate me now because you've spent your whole life loving me and pushing me. And now you need time for you. So great explanation. We're going to bump into one of my favorites. So it's kind of funny when I saw your list, there was a lot on there that mean you have in common. One of the best shows I've ever photographed would be obviously kiss. I can't discount kiss because obviously that's the best show on stage, but the beautiful people, by Marilyn Manson, one hell of a show, one hell of an artist. Tell me about this song. It's one of those songs. I love I love songs that that have a driving beat that are very catchy. You have the catchy hook, uh, and that's one of them. That song is just it just resonates. It's just it's a it's a powerful song. It's a visually powerful song. Uh, I've seen him in concert as well, and he puts on a fantastic performance. Um, I mean, you can say whatever you want about him personally and about his feelings. Uh, if you put that aside and just focus on the music, the guy writes some great songs, uh, some powerful and energetic performances. That song just a driving beat to it that it, it just goes down to my core. Well, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people, you know, shy away from Alien Manson for whatever reason, whether it's political or personal, whatever. But, you know, I have obviously I've seen him and photographed him again and his show is pretty top notch. I mean, it's weird because you would never think I went to a Charlotte Hornets basketball game. We're talking years and years and years ago. And their entrance was the beautiful people. 
and when they came out into the court and it was strong. I mean, it was a hype song, but I mean, again, like, right. like you said, the whole song throughout it's, it, it's a hype song. And, and again, right. like seeing him in concert in person and watching him as an artist, like, you know, he, he really is an artist. He does have a great art. So, you know, I, I've always told people don't shy away from Marilyn Manson, go see this because that's what you want to see. You want to see a show and top notch. I mean, he's probably one of the top five that I've seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. So the last song, which is one of my top five, actually, is Purple Rain by Prince. So I've got to know your feelings on this one because it threw me off. Um, I've done a ton of interviews lately, and this one threw me for a loop because I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so tell me about Purple Rain with Prince. Prince, What can you say about Prince? The guy is amazing, uh, an amazing performer, amazing artist. Um, there's nothing bad that you can really say about him. He was very powerful. Um, and that song... I've been listening to it a lot lately and it just, it's, it's such a beautiful song. It's so well written, well sung. Uh, it's just put together brilliantly. And I love, I love music like that. I love songs like that. I love songs that just catch you and hold you and, and won't let you go. And that's one of those songs. that's just the beauty behind it. If you break it down and, and really just give it a good listen is it's so beautifully done. It's a very powerful song. Now, did you ever have the chance to see him live? I wish I had, but uh, I did not. I'll tell you a crazy story about him. I um, was on the East Coast, and he was playing small club dates. Um, God, I mean, this has been obviously years ago, but he was playing like a 1,500-seat venue in Norfolk, Virginia at the Norva, and I was the house photographer at the time, and we got wind that he was going to perform. He was going to be there. They sold tickets to it. Obviously, tickets sold out in like four minutes. I mean, it's 1,500 seats for Prince. He opened the show. Well, let me back up. I met him before the show, which for me was kind of a big deal because Michael Jackson, Prince, these guys, I mean, these are icons of music. And big I met him before the show, and I, I never realized how small he was. But I mean, obviously, he was well put together, but he was just a smaller guy. And we chatted for a minute. And I remember the first thing I said was, I love your guitars. That's all I could think of at first, because here I am with Prince and I love your guitars. And we talked about, you know, the dream guitar and we talked about, you know, his cymbal guitar. And he ended up giving, he flicked me one of his picks before he went into the dressing room. So I still have that. So that's a pretty neat thing. But here I am front row with the show and he opened the show with Purple Rain and it was probably a 15 to 18 minute version of the song where in the end of the song where he's kind of going through his runs, it starts raining purple glitter and it's like, okay, what else could you perform past this song? That's going to mean anything now because you open with your biggest hit and then, you know, lit years later, that's what Prince does. I'm going to start with my biggest hit. So, I was moved by him too. I, I remember hearing Steve Perry from Journey when that song originally came out. And of course, this is years later when Steve Perry interviewed about it. But Prince actually was listening to Faithfully when he wrote this song. And the end runs of Purple Rain are very close to the end runs of Faithfully. Right. And he actually called Steve Perry and said, Hey, look, I've got this song. I'm sorry, but everybody's telling me it sounds just like yours. Are you okay if I release it? And of course, Steve Perry, of course, you know, go on. So it's kind of got a lot of history to the song, but 
real quick on an off tangent here about the concert that night in Norfolk, uh, when I went to the show, Michael Jackson was in town recording and there were several conversations between Michael and Prince about Michael taking the stage that night with Prince. And it came down to the final wire where me being a house photographer, I was told, Hey, look, Michael is coming to this show. Michael will be here. You can't photograph Michael on stage with him. And again, I didn't really care. I was a fan of both. So to be able to see both of them on stage and at last minute, we're talking final hour Prince cut it and said, I can't do it. I don't want Michael on stage. And the reason was, which uh, number one, the biggest concert that I would have ever seen in my life didn't happen. So that was a bummer. But the reason was, is Prince was concerned that all of the papers and all of the media the next day would be talking about Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was at a Prince show, but Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, he thought he would be upstaged and he was concerned that Michael would upstage him in one of Michael's outfits versus, you know, Obviously, Michael was a dresser, and so was Prince. So that was a funny thing, but right. it never happened. But it almost <laughs> did. <laughs> ah, so close, very close. Well, that would have been awesome. We're here. It's the end of the segment. Um, it's the end of the road for Rock the Mic and Gil. Um, we're going to wrap up with your favorite. Well, one of your favorites, and one of my favorites, Black Diamond by Kiss. And again, Gil, thanks for coming out. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy, and I'm sure I'll see you on the road soon. And if you ever need anything, give me a call. Will do. My pleasure. All right, guys. We're going to play Black Diamond from Kiss on Rock the Mic Radio. Thanks, guys. Rock the Mic. Down the street for a living. Pictures on the begun. 